Okay, well, good evening. Uh, tonight, we're going to be continuing the series called Guys and Gals of the Bible, where we're invited to get to know some key Bible characters which help form a backdrop to the gospel narrative. Listening to the radio a few days ago, they introduced one of the then candidates for being the new prime minister as a committed Christian who did Bible studies with other MPs. Like it was a preposterous notion. I mean, who on earth in 21st century England would seriously take note of stuff written in the Bible? But we do. We do because we believe that despite its complexity and its challenges, it's the inspired word of God with much to say to every generation, including this one. So on that note, I want to introduce you, or perhaps reintroduce you, to Barney. Well, Barnabas. I'm going to call him Barney. Um, he was known as Barnabas, and according to Acts 4.36, he was a Jew uh, descended from the Levite tribe who came from Cyprus and who died around 25 years or so after Jesus was crucified. And that places him as having lived around the same time as the early church was really starting to find its feet. According to tradition, uh, Barney's brother was Aristobulus, which is some name, isn't it? Uh, who's believed to have brought the good news about Jesus to Britain. Now, Barney's birth name, uh, his given name was actually uh, Joseph. And maybe it was because it was a reflection of his character, because he got given this name, Barnabas, uh, by fellow Christians. Barnabas could be translated as son of consolation or exhortation or comfort. And a good combination of those things might lead us to understand him as an encouraging bloke, somebody who went around lifting others up, helping them grow in faith and making them feel good. We were just saying at the beginning of the service just how great it's been to have sunshine. And it kind of does something, doesn't it, to have a bit of sunshine. It kind of lifts everybody and, and brings a sparkle to things. And that's kind of how we should be. We need some more Barnabases, Barnabases, Barnabai, whatever you want to call them. Uh, but more of that later. In uh, the book of Acts, Barney is described as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. It's a great testimony, that. Good, full of God, full of faith. Not whether or not, oh, is that bloke who's got the latest gadget or plays Pokemon Go or plays for an in-team or tells the best jokes. Now, this is a bloke who's known for how he lived and how he acted around others. I wonder how others describe us and also how we describe others when we're talking to other people. In Acts 7, we find that this guy was uh, involved in the local Christian community. And we see that when he sold a field, he gave the proceeds to the church. Wow. That was an encouragement, wasn't it? He didn't have to do that. You know, and Christians here don't have to do what they do. Uh, and they don't have to give, and they don't have to be nice to people. But they choose to. So he was thoughtful and generous. And he saw that being part of a church community meant investing in it. Not just attending things which others lay on for our spiritual good, but actually putting time and money and prayer into a bunch of people that perhaps we wouldn't naturally hang out with. Seriously, you say? Yeah, that's church. That's the awesome and sometimes challenging part of this countercultural community called church. Male, female, black, white, young, old, people who are different to us, 
and yet people who share in a love of Christ and a desire to gather around him and to follow him. We all have issues with church from time to time, but when we criticise it, we have to remember that we're also part of it and none of us are perfect. Like Barnabas, we need to see church as a chance to give as well as to get. So I guess my first point in this is perhaps to say, be prepared this week to be challenged about how you see church and what you're prepared to invest when you're on camp, when you're in your workplace, when you're meeting with other people. Just think about it. What, what am I actually prepared to give? In Acts 9, when Saul, who is renamed Paul, comes onto the scene, people are really unsure about him. Here was this guy who'd been involved in, in persecuting the church, but he was now standing up giving his testimony. The church were frightened that they were going to embrace him and he was going to just turn on them. But Barney, the encourager, actually went and sought him out, perhaps risking his own reputation. And he listened to his story and he believed him. And then he actually went with him. He took him to the church and he encouraged them to listen to him and accept him. So it seems to me that he was a good alongsider, someone who would courageously listen and be encouraged and then go and help get others encouraged. I wonder whether that's our pattern. Do we draw close to God ourselves? Do we listen to the people that he brings across our paths and ask God, okay, what are you saying through this person? And then, having been encouraged, do we take our thoughts with us and go out and encourage others? Because we so need to encourage people. We need encouragers. Acts 11 sees Barney getting sent by the elders of the church in Jerusalem over to Antioch in today's south-central Turkey. And this was at the time when the Greek community was beginning to turn to Jesus. So as well as the Jews, they were Gentiles, and they were starting to become Christians. Uh, after the, the, there was the diaspora, that, you know, when the people were um, splitting up from the church in Jerusalem, and St. Stephen had been killed, and people were going to different places, and, uh, and the Gentiles were becoming Christians. I guess he was sent there because he was the sort of bloke who could be relied on to be, well, not just a positive thinker, but upbuilding. We find him again, this time in quite a different setting to the religious HQ in Jerusalem, listening to what God has been doing and encouraging the local Christians to remain true to what they'd heard and to hang in there. Yeah, he found that there was so much encouraging to do that he needed somebody else to do it. So he went and told somebody else, Paul, and he said, Paul, you know, I need you to come and help this lot because it looks to me like they need some encouraging and some building up in the faith. And they just need other people around that have been a little bit further on than they have um, with Jesus. So come and help me. And after Paul arrives, they both stay there in Antioch for a year to teach and encourage and strengthen the new believers. I bet he was a great bloke to have around in the church. Someone who could be counted on. Yeah, someone who could be... Just, you just knew you could say, just have a word with them for me. And that leads me to my next point, really. Are we encouragers? Are we great to have around? Am I? Are we passing on what we know of God, however little it is? Do we make it a priority to build others up, to support and comfort and strengthen and encourage? Or do we somehow just have to have our say? 
to whinge, to criticise, to moan, because we can, but in doing so, wear others down and discourage them. And ultimately, if you go out to, without thinking about building other people up, you will just add to the general melee, and lots of people will drift into being discouraged. And ultimately, that will lead them away from faith and joy and Christ. So we, we really need to be encouragers. Let's just take a minute, let's just pause and think about the last time that you said an encouraging word to someone else. It's not to share with anybody else, but just think, when did I last actually encourage somebody? When did I share something which helped them carry on or help them grow in faith? Have a think about who maybe you could encourage. Perhaps you could use just a quiet word with someone and say, hey, I know you're going through a bit of a tough time, but I'll pray for you in that. Or when you ask, how can I support you in that? Maybe you could actually take time to support them. Perhaps you could say, can I walk with you through that situation? Or just gently probe, what's God actually doing in your life at the moment? You know, perhaps, can I have a chat with you um, and tell you what I'm finding challenging? Perhaps we could pray for each other. It takes intention. It's not going to happen. We're not just all going to suddenly become encouragers. We have to choose to encourage people. Not all of us find face-to-face sort of conversations very easy. But there's other ways of encouraging people. You can listen to them, even when you've got no answers. You can write them an email or slip a note through their door or onto their desk at work. It's great when people know they're not forgotten. It's great when I know I'm not forgotten. Just in case you're thinking that this Barney guy was some kind of saint going around with a big beam on his face all the time, Acts records for us that he also had his faults and he didn't always get it right. But he does seem to have made it his business to go around intentionally encouraging people. And God seems to have drawn his gifts to the church leader's attention. And at another point, they pray for him and others and they set them apart to do another particular piece of mission work. And this time they head off on a journey which leads them to Pisidian Antioch. And it's there that having spoken up boldly in the synagogue about the person of Jesus, <clears throat> the group of folks, a group of folk who, who want to know a bit more kind of tug them by the sleeve and say, can we just come and spend a bit more time with you and find out a bit more about this stuff you're talking about? So they make it, Barnabas and Paul and others, make it their business to take time with them and to urge them to continue in their faith. Do you see that? God provides support for people interested in growing. If you're not, he'll wait till you are. But if you really want to grow, there are people that he'll bring alongside you. But we have to choose to know more. We have to take some initiative too. And perhaps if you're somebody who hasn't really started on the journey with Jesus yet to kind of get to know God, some of that is about God waiting for you to take some initiative. That you will say, okay, I want to know just that little bit more. Can somebody help me along with that? But if you've been on the way a long time, it's also sometimes about you going, do you know what? I need somebody else that can help sharpen me and, and perhaps I need to go and seek somebody out who seems to be going on with God. In chapter 14, we see Barnabas and Paul 
then go on a bit of a spiritual roller coaster. Oh, these come up all the time. You just think you've got one sort of thing sorted out and that bit of understanding God, and then life hits and something else that goes up in the air. Well, first of all, they get hailed as gods and they have to stop people worshipping them. I don't know if any of us would uh, ever suffer from that problem, but um, you know, they, uh, people think, yeah, they've got all this good news. They must be what, you know, they must be gods themselves. And then Paul gets stoned and left for dead. Um, but they get up and they carry on traveling and preaching and appointing elders and then moving on from place to place as God guides them. So it's this journey thing, isn't it? And when they finish that series of planned visits, they return to the church for a season. And then do you know what they do? They actually take time to report on all that God has done. They stop and they go, before I launch into my next thing, I'm going to reflect a little bit about what's been going on. I'm going to share that with people. I'm going to tell people uh, what he's been doing. Perhaps we don't do that enough. It was good yesterday, actually, with a, a bunch of women at Sutton Park just to, uh, just to walk for an hour and a half or so and just to share what God's been doing in our lives. It was important. I wonder when was the last time that you came to church or a small group with the intention of encouraging the leaders or some young people or the tech desk people or one of the older folk? Because God does stuff in our lives for the good of everyone, not just for us. That's the whole point of church. It's not just about my spiritual satisfaction so I can be on a spiritual high and meet, meet my own self-actualization and all of that. You know, we're in this church thing because we're meant to be doing it together. You know, like when Barnabas and Paul are in Iconium and they do lots of preaching, God confirms his words by enabling them to do signs and wonders, which is a great story to tell. And so they go back and they tell the church... <coughs> Excuse me, and its leaders, they go, do you know what's been happening? Well, God did this, and God did that, and God did the other. And the encouragement gets passed on. A little later, the Holy Spirit then selects Barnabas and Paul to go on a missionary journey somewhere different. And after being commissioned for this task, Paul and Barnabas set out, uh, accompanied on the trip by John Mark as a helper. That's Acts 13, 2-5. For some unrecorded reason, John Mark leaves them part way. And this upsets Paul big time. And it causes him to refuse to let him join them when they set off again on a different journey later on. Barnabas, however, hangs on to John Mark and he continues to invest in him. You know that sense of someone who knows your strengths and weaknesses and is still there for you? That's a really important thing. None of us, Barnabas included, get it right all the time. And we need people around us who we can tell how it is to and who can reflect back what they think we've said about stuff and help us find where God is in the mix. It's that kind of role that we have, that positive role that we have with each other as member of <clears throat> members of Christ's body. Mature Christian friends, mentors, spiritual accompaniers, all those sort of people can be really helpful in helping us deal with the realities of who we are and what is happening in our lives. As Christians, we're invited to do this growing in faith thing as a community. It's not solely a personal faith. It's not just have lots of knowledge, grow yourself. It's about being in with a bunch of people that you have to rub shoulders with. It's about recognising we're part of Christ's body and choosing to be there, to be part of it, to be accountable, to submit to other people's wisdom and guidance, to listen to others and to be listened to and choosing to find out how God wants to work in our lives. 
Hang on a second. I have so valued the input of more mature Christians at all stages of my Christian journey. And as I look back, and I'm sure many of you are the same, I can give thanks for the people that have been significant for me. As a teenager, I was one of only a very small handful of people, a handful of Christians in a huge school. Um, and the sixth formers would look out for me, and they would pray for me and encourage me. And there were some guys my, my brother's age, who's about four years older than me, uh, from the boys' school, and they, could, they would really encourage me. And I've actually still got a letter from one of them that just says, look, just know God's got his hand on your life. Just know that it's okay. You're not going to be anybody else. You're going to be you. And at some point, I'll get back to him and say, I've still got this because this is really key. And while I was at college, uh, a bunch of Nigerian Christians took me under their wing. And they were here as students and various other things. And they pastored me through the ups and downs of student life. Um, a house group then cared for me as I went through the stage of getting my first proper job and on through getting married and having kids. And uh, a number of Christian, key Christians and prayer groups and networks have looked out for me. And then I had a mentor uh, who came to me and said, look, you know you're moving from this really intense, humongous job uh, for a Christian organisation and going into something new. Who's going to see you through that stage and she said, because I want to, if you'd be willing to have me. And she kind of mentored me through several years until that's become more of a, a mutual friendship. Uh, and now I've got an older lady that I go to in Litchfield, and she just kind of sits with me and listens to me and says, well, what do you think God's saying here? Because I think I can see a bit of this. And it's just really helpful. And I feel really privileged to have had so many people caring for me and praying for me along the way, especially when I grappled with the tough stuff. But for it to work, you have to be willing to be honest about stuff and to want to seek God. So this isn't just people that you can go and moan to. I mean, they're good as well. But you want to see people that you can moan to who will also say, okay, so what's actually God doing in this? What is it that you're learning? So I guess my third point is to suggest that each of us needs to spend time with people who will encourage us and will help us grow. I say that iron sharpens iron so find like-minded people, not necessarily those who agree with you on everything, but like-minded people who can encourage you and help build you up. The actual human thing is to find people that are just like you. But the church, in some ways, is really countercultural because we're invited to invest in a community um, with people of different backgrounds and different social standing, different ethnicities, different genders, all of that stuff different generations, different situations. God has called us together. So I want you to think for a minute. I wonder who could actually help you and support you and challenge and affirm and encourage you in your faith. Because you might have to go and seek them out a little bit. I wonder who can model things to you, help you grow. Maybe somebody's been there just a little bit more than you have. Sometimes we really need to be proactive with this and find people, like I said before. But I... I suggest that you pray. If you're looking for someone like that, you pray that God will show you folk because it's really valuable. Finally, just in case we're thinking uh, that this Barney, this super holy Barney, was, uh, got it right all the time, well, he didn't. And Paul is surprised that at one point he kind of went off the rails a bit and got all hypocritical, and uh, along with Peter and some of the other big names. But you know, even though he didn't get it right all the time, 
um, he was never written off. None of us are. God often just waits until we're ready to come for the first time or to come back and say we want God back in his rightful place in our lives. You know, tradition outside of the scriptures has it that, that Barnabas Joseph, our Barney, the encourager, got stoned to death for doing what he did too well, causing jealousy among others. Shame that. Such an encouraging bloke, wasn't he? But it's, it is funny that in church and in lots of places, people find it easier to be dragged down and to drag down than to build and be built up. Somehow it's easier to get rid of or walk away from the people or the leaders that make us think. It happens regularly in churches. So if we're going to change this and encourage each other and our leaders and invest in this amazing countercultural community where people choose to help each other grow, we need to take time to really listen to what's, what's happening and to pray and to ask God to find us people around us and to reach out to other people. And even if you think, well, I've got nothing I can really share. I've just been following God six months and I don't know what I could say. Maybe you could. Maybe just the fact that you're a young person or an older person in a society that often doesn't honour God. Maybe the fact you go, I'm following God, is enough of something just to encourage somebody else to hang in there because they might be thinking they're the only one of that sort of group. Christianity was never meant to be a religion to be adhered to. It's all about a relationship with God and his people and how together we can work to see the extension of God's rule in our lives and communities for the good of all. So can we have the, the last slide up? In case you've forgotten in all that, what the, the key things are then that we've been thinking about. I, I want to challenge you to challenge us um, about how we see church, whether we see it as something we come to to get something from, um, whether you're prepared to invest in people that aren't your sort of people, who annoy you, who think differently, who've got different theology, different background, whether you're prepared to actually take time. And then to be encouragers, to actually proactively choose when you could discourage, to choose to encourage people instead. And to choose to spend time with others who will help you grow in your faith. And that could be in little ways that you just you hang out with people that you know are good for you. Um, but also it might be actively seeking out somebody who can mentor you or support you or walk with you. Because that's really important. So Barnabas, he was some guy... He was a, a real encourager. And I was really conscious as I was pulling this together that this could end up being one of those sermons where, yeah, yeah, we're meant to be nice to each other. So let's all go out and encourage each other and still nobody does. So I thought a great idea would be to have some people who actually came with the intention of encouraging us because they were going to tell us just a tiny, tiny thing maybe about what God is doing in their lives at the moment. And John and Amy, and Steve, and anybody else who feels like it until John stops you, um, I want you to come up and just, just tell us some stuff um, about what God is doing in your life. Maybe Amy. Is that all right if you can start? This young lady really, really encouraged me, because I went to youth. I know I'm a bit old for that, but I went to youth a few weeks ago on a Friday night. And this young lady got up, and she just gave it. She actually had a message for everybody, and she'd really put time and effort into preparing it. 
and um, she really blessed my socks off. So that was great. So here she is again. Round of applause, I think. I don't really know where you want me to take this, but um, I've been coming to church from like sort of long as I can remember. But as a family, when we were about six, we just stopped going. Um, and I just have like this really vivid memory and we were driving along in the car and I was in the back seat and I just could not stop thinking about church and I turned around to my parents and I was like, like, can we just go back? Like, I don't know why we stopped, can we go back? And they were like, yeah, sure. So started going back when I was about 10 and when I hit about 30, my life started going a bit, you know, up and down as life does. Um, and I just now looking back on it, realized that at 10 years old, I didn't have a clue why I wanted to go back to church. But now that I'm trusting in God more, and I think that is just key to like trust, that I'm hearing God more and I'm realising that God put that thought in my head so that during those up and down times that I had a support network. And yeah, just I think all I would say is just trust God because you might not know what he's doing right now, but it will make so much sense when you reach the end of it. So. Brilliant. John, where's John? I've lost him. You might need to tell me to shut up at some stage. But um, <clears throat> it was about ten days ago I bumped into Ruth uh, up by TK Maxx in Walsall. I never go up there, and she said, "John, could you share something tonight?" I was thinking about who I could invite. And your name came to mind. I don't think we've ever bumped into each other in the street before, have we? No. And I sometimes go up that end of town, but maybe, if you're lucky, once every six months. So, a bit of a coincidence. In my previous church, I used to help out with the youth club. So this is going back a few years. And I overheard this conversation one day. There was a girl about 16, 17. We'll call her Hannah for the sake of her name. Is anybody here about 16, 17? Oh, we're all a bit older now. Yeah. Anyway, she was saying to her friend, I'm really worried about my grandma. She's ill, she's in hospital, and we're not sure she's going to make the week out. I'm not sure if I should go to visit her because I'm going to cry. And so the conversation went on, and I was overhearing this and thinking, hmm. What I was saying in my head was, yes, you have to go. But it wasn't appropriate to say anything, so I left it. She came to the youth club probably over, and, and the church who used to sing for us and do all sorts of things, really good, um, maybe four or five years. The very next day was the only time I ever bumped into her in the street. And I stopped the car, she was walking along with her friend, and we had a quick chat, and I encouraged her to go and see her uh, grandma. I said, yeah, and I know it's going to be difficult, and you probably will cry, but that's because you really care, and you need to do it. And it was just a quick three or four minutes, and I carried on doing whatever I was doing, and she did go, and she did cry. And I think... If memory serves, she went three times that week, and then her grandma passed away. I was trying to hang it on some scriptures, and these proverbs came. I don't know why I keep thinking of proverbs at the moment. Um, 
if there's any word of encouragement, skim through Proverbs if you haven't done it. If you want good mental health, you'll find a lot of tips in here. A glad heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. And when you get these difficult times in life, it's very important you don't bottle them up because they make you sad. And then later on it says in this chapter, where there is no counsel, purposes are frustrated. She, she really did want to go and see her grandma. But with many counselors, they are accomplished. And I was able to be one of those people who just put a little nudge to say, why don't you go and do it? No, no go and do it. You need to. And then I, I take... Um, joy from this because it says a man has joy in making an apt answer and a word spoken at the right moment how good it is and if you want a third coincidence I was, trying to th I was actually trying to think of this verse and I said to Jill who came and plonked herself next to me this evening where's that verse in Proverbs that talks about a threefold cord because I was convinced that's where it was and she said it's not in Proverbs it's in Ecclesiastes it's Chapter 4, verse 12. How on earth do you know that? Because she'd spoken on it. Uh, was it this week or last week? Oh, fair time ago. But anyway, she knew the answer that I didn't. And it's chapter 4, verse 12. If I can just spot it. And though a man might prevail against him who is alone... Two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. If we try to live lives on our own, it's going to be much more difficult. And sometimes we can just say a word that helps somebody do something quite significant in their life. So, Steve. So uh, Ruth asked me to uh, uh, say something about how God had used me to encourage people uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, it made me think of a story about when I was giving chocolates out at work a few weeks ago. Um, but if we go back uh, two or three, uh, no, three or four years before that, um, I had a, a, an uncomfortable time at work when I had a breakdown. Uh, whether it was uh, a build-up of stress, uh, whether it was exhaustion, whether it was a mental breakdown, something happened where uh, my, uh, my mind and my body did completely uh, different uh, things. And it's quite embarrassing. Oh, I should have started off by saying, if you don't know me, um, um, I run a charity called the YMCA in the, uh, in the black country. And uh, it was quite a humbling experience, this breakdown, because it happened, or the first thing I knew about it was when I uh, broke down in tears with my uh, senior managers. And uh, uh, in one sense, that's another story. That's not a story I want to, uh, to say now. But this experience, it went on for uh, a few weeks and then a few months, and gradually God began to restore uh, things in my uh, life. And one of the things that was particularly special to me at the time was the story in the New Testament when the disciples are in the uh, boat on the Sea of Galilee and the storm comes uh, and the disciples think that they're going to drown, they think they're going to die. And yet Jesus, 
uh, who was the Messiah, who was the Son of God, God himself, was there in the boat in the midst. Um, and I found this was quite a powerful story when I reflected on my own experience and the turmoil that had been going on in my life, that God could be with you right in the center uh, of moments that are sometimes of extreme uh, anguish. So here's where the encouragement comes. Um, after having had this experience and uh, God helping me to, uh, to, to move on, I felt it was important to share uh, some of my uh, experiences, some of my learning uh, with my uh, staff team. Uh, we employ a couple of hundred people and we have a staff newsletter that goes out uh, every uh, couple of months. And so I put a little story in the staff newsletter. Now, YMCA is an organization that has a Christian ethos, but many of its staff are not practicing Christians. So you sort of throw these things out, little sort of spiritual nuggets, and not really sure what will then uh, happen uh, as a result. And to be quite honest, I forgot about uh, this story. That was a few years ago. Uh, so to go back to a few weeks ago when I was giving chocolates out, and I'm aware there are some people in this church that actually work for the YMCA, and might say, well, he never gives me uh, chocolates. Uh, so it was probably a very rare occasion that I was giving uh, chocolates out to staff. But uh, I happened to, uh, uh, to be uh, wandering around. And I um, happened to uh, start a conversation with uh, a member of staff I'd not really spoken to very much uh, before. And, uh, and she started to uh, tell me about this, uh, this story that she read in the newsletter about this, uh, uh, about my experience and also about the disciples uh, in the storm in the boat. And then she opened up a bit more and said about some of the problems that she'd had in her life uh, and some of the difficulties uh, that she had with her family and how this had been a real source of encouragement uh, to see God in the center uh, of real turmoil in her own life. Uh, and it had been a, a point where, um, for her, uh, just sharing this story had really helped to give her greater faith to face the things that she was uh, facing in her own life. And uh, in a strange way, I was an encouragement to her, but she was very much an encouragement uh, to me uh, as well. And you know, you don't know when you share these stories, when God you know, takes you through a difficult uh, moment uh, and you learn something through it, uh, and he says, pass that story on. Perhaps you don't realize why. Uh, and perhaps you don't see the results straight away. Uh, but it always fascinates me how God can use things in our life that you may not even know about uh, and only find out about sort of months or perhaps years later. Thanks. Well, thank you, Ruth, and thank you for those who shared it. So it's great for people to model what it is to be an encouragement to others. But uh, the thing is, when it's been modeled to you, you've got to do it. So see what opportunities you have this week to be an encouragement to others.